Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. Today, we will talk about payments in Web3. Payments is usually the first thing which comes up when you mention crypto for travel because most people still associate crypto with payments. And uh, as you have seen in the last episodes, I almost never talked about it because, well, Web3 is much bigger than only payments. And also because while I'm convinced that a lot of payments are going to be done through cryptocurrencies, it is not yet very clear how this will happen. So many people assume that simply some companies will start accepting crypto payments. So, you know, one day some big OTA is going to say, okay, from now on, you can pay with credit card or you can pay with Bitcoin and other crypto. But this narrative in crypto land belongs to about four years ago. I mean, we stopped talking about these kind of things a few years ago. Because mostly, I would say, it solves a problem which doesn't need solving. Or at least, it is not the most pressing problem, and it is not the biggest change which crypto can bring to travel. In short, I would say, credit cards work. I mean, if you are on the receiving hand, if you are the merchant, you are probably aware there are problems. You probably are not too happy with the state of things, or maybe you are, I don't know. But for customers, for the experience of the buyer, there's nothing really exciting about being able to pay with crypto unless you are a crypto diehard. And um, yeah, this changed recently, and we're going to get to that. But still, it is not payments which are going to change everything here. And also, we don't know how payments are going to actually to be implemented in crypto for the travel industry. It's going to be probably a mix of different episodes and experiments. And um, at the end, you're going to have crypto everywhere, but in, in probably unexpected ways. So it all started when the Bitcoin community started saying, okay, Bitcoin is money. So next step, what is the next step? Let's people accept Bitcoin as a payment and make it, you know, make it become real money. But this was not driven by a need for an alternative to credit cards. This was driven by people own Bitcoin and wanted Bitcoin to become real money, so used for payment and you know making their bags bigger, so making Bitcoin price go up. It wasn't actually solving a problem in the travel industry or in general in the industries. It was solving the problem of let's make Bitcoin money because we want Bitcoin to be money. And guess what? It didn't happen at all. I mean, Bitcoin is not used for payments in mainstream because it's got still several problems and we're going to get to them too. So why are people not paying mostly in cryptocurrencies today? Well, mostly because most people do not have cryptocurrencies. This is the main block, right? If everybody or 70% of people had cryptocurrencies, then there would be a push from companies to say, okay, well, that's an opportunity to attract more customers. Let's accept cryptocurrencies. And we simply are not there yet. So adoption is, again, what is stopping everything else. And the lack of adoption is also the reason for which you can say, well, there's no crypto payments. It's not because crypto payments are bad. It's because simply people do not have crypto. And I agree with that take. Until there is adoption, you cannot really judge 
the, the tech and the opportunity it brings. Another problem Bitcoin had and still has is the volatility. Bitcoin price changes all the time. If you sell your villa for $10,000 and when you actually get the money, it's worth 20, you're happy. But if it's worth five, you have no money to pay for the expenses. So why would you expose your business to such a volatility? Well, you probably wouldn't, right? You, unless you want to speculate, you wouldn't do that. The volatility problem is still in most people's minds. When you tell them, why don't you accept cryptocurrencies? They go like, well, it's vol volatile, right? I cannot really risk that kind of volatility. But this problem has been solved long ago with stable coins. You can accept crypto, which is worth $1 all the time. There are several cryptocurrencies. They are called stable coins which are always pegged to the dollar. So if you get a thousand of them, it's a thousand dollars today and it's gonna be a thousand dollars in six months. So volatility is not the reason why cryptocurrencies are not accepted. It's the lack of adoption. Another main reason is that it's actually difficult, right? Uh, some people are stuck into this narrative when everybody's going to have Bitcoin, we're gonna be able to use it as money. And this may still play out in the long term, but this is really long term, in my opinion. And the fact is, there's, there's no Bitcoin anymore only. There's hundreds of cryptocurrencies. So what happens if you accept crypto and somebody comes and says, okay, I want to pay with Bitcoin. Fine. You have your wallet to accept Bitcoin. And, uh, but what if they say, I want to pay in Ethereum? Well, okay, you have another wallet, a completely different system to accept Ethereum. Or maybe they're going to say, I want to pay in Stablecoin, USDC. Okay, fine. The Ethereum wallet covers that. Then somebody comes and says, well, no, I have Terra USD. It's another stablecoin, but it's on a different blockchain and you don't have a wallet for that. And what are you going to do? You're going to manage tens of wallets on different systems on evolving technology, which has to be learned by your reception or your reservation systems. And as the time passes, there's more blockchains and more different wallets and more kind of tokens, which makes it extremely difficult to accept cryptocurrencies today. So on one side, you have the lack of adoption from the guests. On the other side is the lack of adoption of the tech from the companies. And this problem seems to be, in my opinion, unsolvable if the hurdle is on the company. And I'm not even talking about all the legal and tax issues you may have with accepting cryptocurrencies. Probably today, if you are a company which wants to accept cryptocurrencies, you are, yes, tapping into some interesting, growing demographic, but you're also assuming a lot of risk and technical problems, which probably makes it not worth it. So does this mean that crypto payments are not going to happen? Well, in my opinion, they will happen and will take over everything else in the long run. Visualize this line. It's the Gartner hype cycle in which a new technology emerges and it starts with uh, basically nothing. And then as people start realizing what can be done with this technology, there's a very quick and high growth in expectations. So it goes from zero because it didn't exist to a very high expectation level. It's the moment in which everybody says, this is gonna change everything. And in our specific case, this is going to change payments forever. And then this doesn't happen. And you have these expectations going down, they go 
very quickly down, as quickly as they went up, and they go into the trough of disillusionment. It's like a hole in the ground where you basically go down to... Uh, it's a bit higher than at the beginning when it, this, the technology was discovered, but it's basically almost at zero, right? People start stop believing it because they've been promised that that was going to change everything and nothing has changed. Because, big surprise, technologies need time. And then as technologies take their time and they evolve, the curve starts growing, this time slowly and more organically. And you enter, we enter in the slope of enlightenment, in which slowly we start looking at, yeah, this technology is going to change everything, not in the way we thought at the beginning and not that fast. And then later it goes into plateau of productivity in which actually the technology is used. I think we are getting out of the disillusionment phase and we are slowly going into the enlightenment phase. So my thesis here is pretty clear. As I was saying, we are going to use cryptocurrencies for payments basically everywhere in the long term. And it's also becoming increasingly clear how this is going to happen. Let me make two forecasts here. In both these cases, involve a company taking care of all the complexities and delivering a very simple user experience for both the customer, the guest, and the company which accepts the payment. The first one is Visa, the credit card company. Visa has a very forward-looking approach to cryptocurrencies and is treating them as basically other currencies. And think about it. Let's say you are a hotel and you have customers from all over the world. So what do you do? Do you have a special section, a special department dealing with all foreign exchange on your reservation management and your reception? They accept every currency in the world? Or do you simply delegate this to the credit card companies? Well, you delegate this to the credit card companies because the complexity of dealing with different currencies, there's hundreds of currencies in the world, is just too much for your own operation. Now. If Visa comes to you and says, look, from tomorrow, we are accepting 100 cryptocurrencies, but nothing changes for you. You will still be paid in euro or dollars. What would you say? You're probably going to ask, okay, what is the catch? What is the commission? What happens with cashbacks? And they tell you, look, it's just the same. If somebody pays in Brazilian reais today, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes, you get your euro. You can even define I want a thousand euro, you will get a thousand euro, right? Somebody could come and say to herself or himself, okay, I'm gonna use my Shiba Inu tokens to pay for this hotel night. And you don't have to worry about that. Visa does, okay? You just get your euro. Would you say no to that? Well, at the point we get there, it's gonna be obviously damaging to your business to not accept cryptocurrencies in that way because you are simply closing yourself to a specific demographic and it has no extra cost for you. Yes, there may be situations in which you say, okay, you know, I want to get Bitcoin directly or USDC directly or whatever because I don't want to pay, I don't know, the commission which Visa charges and I don't want to risk cashbacks, etc. You can still do that and you probably will do that for major cryptocurrencies or maybe crypto native Companies will come to you and say, look, it's like, like Visa, but we charge less and you can accept every cryptocurrencies on earth. We accept a thousand of them. Visa accepts only a hundred. It doesn't really matter, right? You are going to delegate most of the time in a 
world where some big cryptocurrencies are very big, you may still get you know a lot of money directly, and that will save commissions. This may happen if, for instance, Bitcoin becomes a very widespread method of payment, and you're fine in accepting the volatility because it's always historically being on the upside. In that case, it may be cheaper for you to simply accept Bitcoin directly and then you know maybe pay some service for the custody. I don't know, but it's going to be probably hybrid, right? You're going to do many different things and every company is going to have a different strategy. It will go from the very simple adoption of say, okay, Visa, take care of this for me to more advanced strategies. And as usual, it may pay to make some effort in being before the others. Maybe you're going to attract more customers before Visa actually does this, but it's really subjective. It depends on your situation and your kind of customers and how many of them actually want to pay with crypto. And the other case is marketplaces which accept crypto for you. So an OTA may decide at a certain point to accept credit cards and crypto and you are paid in your local currency, euro, dollar, whatever, right? Or it may go a bit farther and you can say, okay, for every crypto payment, just send me Bitcoin or just sell everything for Ether and send me Ether or send me stable coins so I can do stuff with them. We're going to see many different strategies on this. And as crypto adoption grows, more and more marketplaces, even traditional marketplaces, will find ways to accept cryptocurrencies. Maybe by using, again, the credit card companies or by organizing themselves or by plugging in other crypto native companies which do crypto payments. And this will take us to a world where if you have any crypto anywhere, you will be able to use them to pay for your hotel, your travel, your flight, etc. And we're going to get there probably in a, a bit messy way with different experiments on the way, but we're going to get to that place. And actually, we are already there, for instance, if you have an account in Binance, Binance is a centralized exchange, you can apply for a Binance card, which is just a Visa card or MasterCard, I'm not sure, and fund this card with crypto. So let's say in Binance, you have some tokens, you have some Bitcoin, you have some Ethereum and some Dogecoin and whatever. And once in a while, you, you just move any of these into the card, and when you go to pay for your hotel, you're actually paying with crypto. The crypto is exchanged by Binance for you into dollars, and then you pay with dollars. So if you are in the travel industry and you accept credit card payments, you're probably already accepting crypto in this way, which is indirectly and between the scenes. The same applies for the crypto.com card. The crypto.com card is a card which you apply for, you get it, and then you put cryptocurrency into it. And every time you pay, you get a cashback of one, two, three, up to 8%, according to how much money you actually stake. That's a different subject. And so if somebody is paying you with crypto.com, you wouldn't know it. You just know that it's paid with, with Visa, but people are using their crypto to pay for your service. This is happening today. I can't give you numbers. I know that many people are doing, uh, but of course I am biased by the people surrounding me, but for sure this is growing. And I'm sure about this because for many people and more and more people actually, the banks are basically dead. 
So if I have a Binance account and I have to send money to a friend who has a Binance account in a different country, I'm sending the money through Binance uh, or Coinbase or any other exchange. This is instant. It's basically free if I use the right currencies. And banks cannot beat that. I mean, banks are for international transfer really slow and expensive. So there's many people out there, especially the younger generation, who do not have a bank account. They see no point in having a bank account. They use the centralized exchanges. I'm not saying here this is a good choice for them, whatever. It's very subjective, but this is happening, right? So you have people who hold their money mostly in crypto. They have the volatile crypto and the stable crypto, and they simply use those accounts as bank accounts. And the technological debt that banks have compared to these new systems is so high that I don't see a way for them to actually compete, bar some big regulations which makes it completely illegal to use exchanges, I mean crypto exchanges, and force people to use banks. And this could still be happening. I don't know. It looks like a very suicidal move from any governments who does this, but it could happen, right? Still, the trend is in that direction, crypto. Another very important trend here is crypto-native people. And by crypto-native people, I mean, this is my own definition in this specific context, people who earn their money in crypto. I've met people who said to me, look, I don't own any fiat money. I don't have a bank account. My salary is paid in crypto. I want to spend crypto because going back from crypto to fiat is really painful. You have to have two different systems. You have to have the legacy banking system, which is slow and complicated, and the new crypto system. And you have to manage both of them. Now, this is normal for most of us. We come from the fiat legacy system. We moved into crypto. We are still holding both of them. But the process of opening a bank account today, if you don't have one, it's pretty cumbersome, right? You have to get there, you have to sign papers, etc. We forgot about this because we did it in the past, right? But if somebody is native in crypto and you tell them to go to a bank and you tell them, look, it's open from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, you have to sign all those papers, then sometimes they have to verify your identity again, you have to go personally, even if you're traveling around the world, sometimes people are over, you know, they're traveling around the world for months and the bank calls them and say, you must come here if you want the account to work because we, we, we blocked it because we need to verify your identity once again. So for these people, for these young people, it's just crazy. They say, I'm ne never going to open a bank account. This is just, you know, it feels like, you know, getting a fax in the era of, of social networks. Why, why would I get a fax unless I'm really uh, forced to do that? So these people will pay crypto natively more and more right and it's more and more of them too and they have more and more money so it is an unstoppable trend in my opinion and you if you have a company in the travel space you have basically two extreme choices the conservative choice is to say well let's wait for visa to figure this out and then when they figure it out whatever we're gonna do it this is the zero effort zero opportunity approach or you can say, okay, let's go deep into this. Let's you know, I don't know, hire somebody who can do this or get a consultant and see if there's any move we can do which gives us some competitive advantage 
over our sleeping competition. And I cannot tell you here and now what you should do. I can tell you, well, you have to kind of get a strategy and see what the best move is. Now, an obvious potential competitive advantage is to attract this new demographic of young people with crypto, especially the ones who are making good money with it, and you know, attract some extra customers compared to the competition. But so far, I have approached this payment issue from a skeuomorphic point of view. Skeuomorphic being how things are and how new technologies can change it and improve on it. And I keep making this example. So the internet comes out and people start thinking, well, it's like faxes, but faster and cheaper. So the internet is like a machine which allows us to send many faxes and do not pay for the international phone call because faxes used to be connected. You know, if you had to send a fax to another country, you would pay the country code. So that would be expensive. Skeuomorphic is also when concrete was invented and we could now build houses without the pillars, you know, these columns like in the Greek and Roman buildings. But we kept doing these pillars because we were used to do them, right? Until later, we realized we don't need these pillars anymore. And we had an open mind and we started thinking about new kinds of structures like skyscrapers, for instance, right? There's no columns in skyscrapers. So these new primitive payments, but this is programmable money compared to fiat euro and other currencies. It's programmable. It will allow us to do things we cannot even dream about today, right? And there's going to be this long period of skeuomorphic adaptation of this technology to completely new systems. And I, of course, can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. I can give you some hints of things I've seen a little bit happening, and that's what I'm going to do. But what I can say is that we will say things we cannot really even imagine at the moment. So one first thing which we are going to realize once we accept cryptocurrencies, and this does not apply to those who say, I'll let Visa handle it because Visa gives me euros or dollars. No, these are those people who say, I want to actually get tokens, the real tokens. And maybe, you know, in a more conservative way to accept stable coins. And then what can you do with stable coins? Well, you could put them on pools. You can take your stable coins and put them in a lending protocol, basically park them in a smart contract and get some interest. And the interest is much higher than what banks would give you. So if banks today give you, I don't know, 0.025 for your saving accounts, you could make 1%, 2%, 5%, sometimes 8% depending on how much risk you want to assume, by using these protocols in which you do some lending or you participate in pools, maybe a pool with two stable coins like USDC and USDP, and you get your interest over there. So our first selling point for going native with crypto is, well, your part money pays you an interest, which at least covers inflation. If we say inflation is at about 5% now, and you are making 0.025 in your bank account, you are actually losing money every year. Now, crypto kind of solves this problem by giving you this interest, which covers inflation. Now, always remember there is risk associated with that. There is smart contract risk. Every time you put your money, your crypto in a smart contract, the smart contract could be attacked and you could lose your money. 
Now, how much risk it is? Well, it varies. It kind of changes all the time. It depends on the protocol. Often the interest paid tells you how much risk there is. So if it's too high, probably it's really risky, but it's not that easy. So there you go. You're going to need to acquire some knowledge about that because there's a good opportunity to park your money and protect it from inflation. If you want to go a bit deeper into this, look for yield in crypto, yield farming or pools, um, rewards, etc. There's a, there's a whole world out there with that. Another great opportunity and risk will be to say, okay, if somebody pays me in Ether or Bitcoin, give me the Ether and the Bitcoin and I will keep them, all right? If it's Ether, you can even park it and get some interest. Bitcoin too, but with centralized companies. And you can bet with that money on the long-term growth of these cryptocurrencies. Will they grow? I don't know. You have to create your own thesis around them. But if crypto payments, especially at the beginning, represent 1% of your turnover, maybe you have that space to do that, right? And it may pay off very well. Who knows? My thesis in the long term is yes, it will. Uh, we are, you know, digital asset space is going to grow in the next years. So it's good to have a little bit of them in your portfolio, in your treasury. But this is my own personal take. You have to do your own research there. All right, let's sum it up before we go ahead. So crypto payments are coming one way or the other. You may ignore them or you may anticipate this obvious trend and try to see if there is opportunities there. And we do not know what these are going to be. There's already opportunities in interest, getting more interest. There's opportunities in attracting some kind of demographic which you can attract and the others don't. But the real big ones are coming are coming later. So. The only way to get ready is to move now and start understanding the payment space in general in crypto and specifically for travel. So how can you go a bit deeper into this? Well, the answer is DeFi, decentralized finance. That's where all the experimentation and innovation is happening in the financial sector. Again, remember, DeFi is basically the whole financial system on different rails. It's the future of the financial systems. So that's where you do your research. Let's go into the final part of this episode and let's start looking really ahead when the non-skeuomorphic innovation is going to happen. And maybe the best way here is to look at some primitives or some new use cases happening in the wider crypto space and you can start thinking if they make sense for the travel industry or for your own specific case. One very exciting innovation here is the streaming of payments. So you are able to pay or to be paid by the millisecond. So you actually start getting paid when somebody comes in maybe your hotel room and it stops the moment it gets out. Maybe in an automatic fashion with self-check-in, self-check-out, maybe even through NFTs. I think I mentioned this, but again, it's good repeating them. You can check out the superfluid.finance website to see what's happening. That's, it's really fascinating to see money moving this way. That wasn't possible before. And it will probably make possible a lot of use cases, uh, which we haven't really thought of yet. Another area of innovation, if you start accepting crypto payments, it will be to accept your own token, right? You issue your own token. 
people buy it and then they can use it to pay for your rooms. And since when you get this money, you can exchange it for another crypto like ETH, for instance, it doesn't actually mean that you are getting paid in a valueless token. So tokenizing your property, your business could be an idea. Somebody will do it for sure in the future. Somebody will actually do it successfully sooner or later. So that's another area you can explore. Another thing you could do is every time you get a crypto payment, you could use part of it to buy tokens from other companies in the crypto space. So exposing your company to the whole growth of Web3 in trouble so that your bet is not anymore limited to your own company, but you are doing an informed bet of a whole industry here. And one of the exciting things of crypto is that you can actually monetize very easily your knowledge. So every effort you put into understanding this space can be easily monetized. You can get exposure to your advantage in, in information compared to other people. While before to do that, if you had some hint that you know, some market was going to grow, let's say the vacation rental market is growing because I've seen Airbnb growing, you would need to basically create a startup or invest in a startup. It's, everything is you know, very resource intensive. With, with crypto, you can simply say, okay, this, you know, I don't know, payments through fluid payments, like streaming payments is going to grow. You just buy a few tokens of, of one of these companies or projects which do that and you have your exposure. So you are monetizing, of course, if your uh, information uh, analysis is correct, you're monetizing very easily your knowledge. So getting knowledge in crypto is a very good investment in general. Because it's really, there's a very short path to monetization of it. As with every other episode in this series, we will basically go back to it in a few months and see if we have more uh, travel-related applications. So I hope this was a good introduction. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at TripLuca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A. And see you next time.